Hey guys, welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. I like how you Boy. added to the sound effects. It reminded me of my kid like playing Hot Wheels, which is that was I mean, what you were doing right there. That's what we're doing still, isn't it? It's it's isn't a that... it's a good sounding car though, I will say that. Yeah. The that's basically RSR what the... on our intro. Yep. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Um, yep, my audio is recording. We've we've I've been kind of working up a new thing because YouTube would not play, and I want really wanted to play this clip for you guys. Um, okay. So I worked up a new thing. So I was just making sure my audio is recording. But I guess if you can hear me, Jake, it probably is. Yeah, I would say that's that's hopefully the case. All right, I want to um, play. I want to play a clip for you. Okay. And uh, I kind of tell the story of what what was the inception of this epi- episode where I talked to Oliver Schwab, who's our guest today. And he is head of uh, the GT4E performance program for Porsche. Okay. And do you know so this the car? GT4 is a Cayman race car, yep. but E must mean it's, it's a 718. just electric. Yeah, yep. it's 718 GT4, it's but it's electric. Dual motor, 1,000 horsepower. How, 1,088, I saw. Yes, 1,088. Uh, I was just trying <laughs> to be a round number, but that's fine. And okay. yes. um, I'm going to play the way that this thing sounds to you, and I want you to tell me what you think, okay? Okay. Here we go. Sounds better there. Oh, God. Just in the, just in the pit lane here. Yeah. Okay, so the point I want to get across here is when you hear this stuff on the internet, mm-hmm. it doesn't sound great. Like, no, that doesn't it didn't sound great. That didn't sound great. No, especially sound great. when we were just listening to like some old air cools flying by. That right. does not sound good in comparison at all. Right. Uh, so here's the thing this thing sounds absolutely incredible in person. Really? Yes. What do you, you think you're hearing right person? there? What is the sound that you think that you would be hearing in that clip? So that sounds, well, what it is, it, it like it sounds like gear train for some reason. It is. Which I'm tr- trying is. to figure out it, why there so is any So I thought when gears. I heard this thing, I thought I'm like, oh, I'm hearing EV, like fake EV noise or something, right? Oh. You think like, you think that's kind of like what you're hearing is you're hearing some sort of fake EV, like the wine that they have to program in them to yeah. work. Yeah. No, that wouldn't be the case in a race car for sure. But I'm trying to figure out now why there would be any sort of like gearbox on an electric car, period, right? Well, there is a gearbox so, on an electric car because it's you have to drive uh, a, a, the, the differential, right? Okay. So you've got a differential there, and it is a straight-cut gear, and this is what you hear So that is what you're car. hearing is just the differential gear. You're just hearing that gear. That's it. It's just that it's the gear that drives the wheels. Is what you're hearing. Okay, interesting. And it is monstrously loud. Like, (laughs) super loud. So I suppose also because, like, with normal race cars, sure, you still have straight-cut gears, but the motor will, you know, usually drown that out. Whereas this, the electric motor's silent except for the gears. That's exactly right. So you watch, like, in-car videos of old DTM stuff or GT cars or whatever. And all you hear is a gearbox. The gearbox is so loud that you can't even hear right. the engine. Okay, so that's all we're hearing right now is just that's that all you're hearing train. right there is the gearbox. So and wait, I just wanted so, to play that, that because so I are you saying tell it sounds you guys, good in person? That's what sounds, sounds good is the gear wine. It's it drove my. It's it sounded. Um, I don't want to say it like I. This does not. No matter what it is, it does not sound better than a combustion engine. It just doesn't. Okay, so that's right. kind of what we're. That's kind of what we're after, but. Um, it did drive my curiosity. Sure. Okay. I like that. Um, and it drove my curiosity to go over to the, this was at Rensport. Yep. To go over to the booth where this car is and the Porsche has it set up in this little, this little thing where they got like a bunch of dudes and telemetry and all this stuff that are working on this thing. And this is like a, this is a prototype. Okay. So there's like two of these. So this is a prototype car that is basically the first demonstration of what they're going to do for like a customer performance program like a gt2 oh. rs club sport or right like yep a, so this is going to be the club car. racing car. club racing cup Got it. like like that type of thing and yep. um the, so 
I met Oliver, and the first thing I noticed is uh, uh, he just does have really good hair. And I wanted to uh, show you, just because wow. your hair is so good, this is yeah. Oliver. Look how great his hair is. I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, that's some good we hair. I appreciate that. Yeah, look at that. He's just a, he's just he's a, a really good. Well, look. that's that's Patrick Dempsey. Also has good hair, <laughs> but I like his hair. I'm a big fan of this guy already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He does have he does okay. have beautiful. So you're hair. talking to Oliver with the good hair. I talked to and Oliver with the beautiful hair. And after you heard the GT4E go around the track, at I had to go find it. And okay. I was, the car is genuinely cool. And I wanted to revisit the thought of like, what makes a cool car again Yep. with you, Jake? And what do you think makes a cool car? What is cool? It has to be exciting. That is what it boils down to. That's it. That's yeah. exactly the word that I was going right. to do. Is it, it drives curiosity and excitement. Yep. That's what makes a cool car to me because- there are so many variations of cool. Like, I think an F40 is cool. I think my right. 911 is cool. I think a rabbit right. diesel is cool. They all sure. drive, like, some sort of curiosity and excitement to me. Like, a rabbit diesel is is exciting to me because of the the nostalgia I have with it, right? Sure. Right. And so it's, so it's got, very, that's where cool becomes very subjective, right? Because it's your, your experiences right. and influences. But right. generally, you can say that a car being cool has to be exciting. And, or at the very least, interesting. Yes. And this did excite me. And uh, I watched a few videos of it doing like total four-wheel burnouts. And I think burnouts are marginally cool. I'm not like a big burnout guy. But the performance is there. And I right. still, like, if you think we've been around like almost 500 episodes now, like five or six years doing this. And I think about where we started and what yep. my feelings were on EV when we started this. Oh, yeah. No, I Which, remember. They were extremely <laughs> rough. Like, what are we doing? This is the end of the world. Oh, my yes. God. And I yes. do still have, like, major trepidation. My major trepidation doesn't come with EVs coming along. It comes with the the phase-out of what I love. Right. Right. And let's say that happens. Let's say they phase-out what I love, and I just become this rebel driving around in my 72 911. I'm still, I still think that we should try and find a way to look at this stuff and find the cool in it. Sure. Okay. Do you think that you. this car is cool? This, this came in the 70, 718 GT4. I will tell you it looks cool. It is probably extremely cool from a capability and performance perspective. Um, it certainly doesn't sound, eh, maybe it does sound cool. It sounds, it, it sounds interesting. We'll say that. And so, therefore, maybe it's exciting. Yeah, I would say it's cool, I guess. It's a cool car. It's can a cool we, car. Can we can we admit that it's a cool car? This is a cool car, Chris. Oh, wow. I think that's the first time I've ever said that about anything EV. <laughs> that's like, right? I like how that's such a milestone and an epiphany. Like, I don't think the Taycan is cool. I don't think a no. Model 3 Performance is cool. I don't think a Model 3 no. Plaid is cool. No, I mean they the the Model Three Plaid is fast, but it it doesn't look good. No, you know this, you gotta, this like, is a proper performance car that happens to be electric. It's not an electric car that can perform. You know, you understand right. the me, distinction there? Yes. Let me let me pull up a couple of pictures so people can kind of see what we're what we're looking we're at here. About. I'm trying of... to figure out the uh, drivetrain. I want to see like how it's built around there, what it has for batteries. Ooh, I think I just got it. View some photos. I accept our. I'm apparently I'm on the uh, Spanish car and driver website right Ooh, now. Espanol, see si. Espanol. Uh, it's not going to give us photos because we're on the Spanish. Okay. Here, I mean, look at this thing. It is a, it is a pretty cool looking car. It's all utility, yeah, for sure. Which I which I think is pretty rad. There we go. View gallery. Wow, look at how big these photos are. Aren't these photos enormous? <laughs> so it does look. It looks cool. Uh, Absolutely. The lighting is like whatever. I mean, I, I really don't, not a fan oh, of the LED. the actual headlights. You hate, Head, you headlights, hate but their I understand headlights. Why they, I understand why me. they exist on an electric car because having a halogen bulb yeah. would draw like way too much power for, uh, for a hey. system. Yeah, you definitely need LEDs. Um, yeah, it's interesting seeing like a four-wheel burnout on a car like that because you're not used to, I don't know, seeing a 718 be all-wheel drive. 
but the fact that electric motors themselves are very light, right? So yes. it's, it's it's much well, easier the and lighter are to make a car four-wheel it's a trade-off. Yeah, what do you think this thing weighs? That's what I was wondering. Because it's we the batteries it. that I make about these it with Oliver. things it's heavy. Like, dude, it is. Oliver was awesome. He's really candid, and it was. it's a great interview. Um, we talk about the weight and everything. What do you think it weighs? I mean, so much of that depends on the range. Like, what type of... Um, I'm just I'm prefacing my guess, because like, it's this is a race do, car... Like, I think it's got to be able to do... So it's based off, like, session. customer racing, right. cup racing, whatever, which is a... 20 minute, 20, I'm sorry, 25 minute race, 25 yep. to 30 minute race. So it's got to be able to last it's, somewhere it's around over, It's over 4,000 pounds, um, less than six, I'm hoping. Okay. Well, I'm going to let it, I'm going to leave that open and people can listen to the interview and, and hear how much it weighs. And, uh, and I will tell you off air or we'll, t- I'll, we'll talk about it when we, when we get back. Cause we're going to do like a little, nice little, a wrap nice up. little okay. outro thing. Yep. Before we do it, what have you got for us? Yeah, something else that is undoubtedly cool is Petrobox, which is a monthly service made specifically for the automotive Jake, enthusiasts. Am I going to take flack for thinking this car is cool? No, you think no one's going to? No, you're. We're so far behind the curve. No one's going to be like, "That's dumb. That is not cool." You're finally becoming somewhat reasonable, Chris. You consider this reasonable? Yeah, this is reasonable. Okay, continue. I'm sorry. Each month, Petrolox carefully selects items, including tools, detailing supplies. I have to carefully detailing protect supplies. my image as a crabby, grumpy man. You, yeah, I, I know. To, and you're, I you're, to, uh, well, I have just to find something away. else to be. You're becoming to, so boring, Chris. I know. Yeah, I'll have to find something Mainstream else to be crabby Chris. about. Oh, I'm, I'm not worried about that one bit. <laughs> Believe me. Not crabby about Petrolbox. No, Petrolbox. They include detailing supplies, T-shirts, apparel, pins, collectibles, tools, detailing supplies the latest and greatest gear in the industry, and they send it right there to your doorstep each and every month. That's what makes it so exciting. There's two different levels to choose from. Petrobox Basic costs less than 20 bucks a month, while Petrobox Premium gets you even more gear for $39.95 a month. Check them out at Petrobox. You can, of course, use our code Overgrass. That'll get you a discount as well. You know, one thing that electric cars do need, and I was actually looking at the drivetrain on this GT4e a little bit, and what you don't think about is still all the cooling capacity, right? Yeah. Like there's massive is, radiators. Dude, this thing's oil cooled. The batteries are oil cooled. It's not water just cooled. Like it, just like an air cooled car. I, I like thought that. that was kind of neat, right? That is That's, very cool. They, of course, yeah. they said in, well, in partnership with ExxonMobil, they're oil cooled. I and like that. Yeah. I like that. our partner too. So yeah. We can well, speaking of cooling, that's... someone else that is moving into the electric cooling space is our friends over at CSF Cooling. They've always been at the forefront. A quality of products for a fair price with a rich history stretching over seven decades. They provide the best high-performance and OEM-plus cooling systems on the market today. CSF offers over 3,000 different cooling applications. I feel like I should say 3,000 and counting because we know they're always in development of what's coming up. Right. You know, they include the most popular makes and models on the road from classic copper brass you radiators you can still get. Someone with a Veyron. I mean, those yeah, are a ton of, we, ton of radiators. Too many, yeah, uh, heat exchangers, as you would yes. call them, right? Um, yeah, so thousands of different radiators, you know, copper brass stuff they still make for the old Land Cruisers, Jeeps, and Datsuns. They also have your vintage 80s Mercedes, BMW, Audi, and Porsche platforms. Ten all the way radiators, Jake. Veyron, ten radiators. I thought it was even more than that, to be honest. It's I knew ten. It was, well, that's I knew radiators. It was I'm sure there's, there's oil coolers and stuff, too. Right. Uh, yeah, check out their classic series lineup at CSF Cooling that is expanding every single day, as I said. Be sure to check them out. CSFRace.com or, of course, on social media, CSF. All right, I'm going to play this uh, this little clip. This is done at, at uh, Goodwood before we have Oliver on. Scaringly fast. If you have a car with that power, people will love it. I think it's like a laboratory, you know? This is how a future customer e-racing car would look like. Even with electric cars, the future can be fun. The idea for us is very much to develop the customer racing sport of the future. Everybody's really excited to first reintroduce this car to the public. To do it as sport such as Goodwood is something that makes us very excited and we can't wait to go out here for the first time. Nice buffering. 
Well, that's I think a I need a new computer to stop Jake. it right there. I think you do too. I think, I think it's uh No, let's let's stop it right there. I think that's well, I a great segue. I wanted to watch segue. it run up Goodwood. Oh. Well, you don't get to. There we go. We start only to cart. Yeah, this is the same. Oh, we're getting his commentary and 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 buffering music. Unfortunately. Yes, yeah, and buffering. It, nope, I think let's go into and hear straight from the source from Oliver. I'm excited to hear this sir about this thing. All right, let's go. Mr. Oliver Schwab, how's it going, man? It's my pleasure to have you on the podcast. Chris, pleasure's all mine. How are you, mate? I'm I'm doing very good. I uh, I just I cannot get over the experience that I had at Rensport. So I had to reach out to you and I I kind of want to explain a little bit about how this how this happened and how it, it occurred to me to go find whoever was in charge of this thing making all this noise. So here I am. Just imagine me. I'm up above the the straight at Laguna Seca working. I'm I'm shooting photos for Porsche. So I'm I'm in this tent taking pictures of people that are, you know, having drinks and stuff like that. And I just hear, I go, it sounds like there's a Learjet about to crash on the straight at Laguna Seca. What is that sound? What is that sound? That's so I like, like I, it's your painting there, but okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's like, and I, it, yes, obviously nothing nothing bad happened, but that's what it sounded like. It sounded like I'm like it sounded like an airplane, like about to not crash, but land. Let's go with yeah. that. Let's go with instead of crashing, let's go with landing. There's about a Learjet about to land on the straight at, at Laguna Seca. So I run over to the fence and I look and I see a Cayman drive by, and I went, "Holy shit, that thing actually sounds really good," and. It struck me because as like a guy, I have a I have a seventy two nine eleven old air cooled car. I'm a big fan of the air cooled stuff. Always have been, and it was the first time that I had curiosity with an EV. The first time I've driven a Model Three Performance. I've been in a Rivian, a super fast Rivian, and and it scared the hell out of me. It was so fast for a truck, but I wasn't curious. And the Cayman GT four uh, E made me curious. So then I'm like, okay, what is this sound? How many watts is it for the speakers that are making the sound in this car? So then I run over there and I find you, and uh, you tell me that it is just the way the car sounds, and that's kind of what wh- how this started is is meeting you there and and learning about the car a little bit. Um, I I just it's a really important time for Porsche, you know, and 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 that car I think is really really important. You guys are doing, and one the first thing I want to ask you is what is it like to be part of Porsche? at such a critical time for this company? Well, for us, obviously, it's a huge motivation, especially working at, at Motorsport to say that we can play our part again, that when such a when such a shift of technology is coming up, that we can very much fulfill a role again, uh, a role again at Motorsport as, as we've always done it. Because looking at why we do Motorsport at Porsche, um, there are two very simple reasons. I mean, the first potentially obvious reason is that in motorsport, when it comes to developing new te- uh, new technologies, we can be so much more um, flexible, and when we can react so much quicker to to developments than um, than our colleagues of the of the of the streetcar development, and uh, obviously also entering into a competition in motor racing, you always do get a direct and immediate um, feedback in terms of uh, success. So if you Develop, uh, develop something successfully, you will you will win the race or you will win the competition. If you didn't, we have to go back. You have to do your homework and then start from scratch again. And and that, of course, is also why we say motorsport has always been um, part of our DNA and always what I guess also differentiates us from uh, from other brands. And then to come back and say now, looking at what is happening on um, on let's say the overall scene in the uh, in the automotive industry. Well, we have to shift from from combustion engines to to electric vehicles. Of course, it's our responsibility again to continue to uh, to play that part. And yes, therefore, it's it's that uh, motivating for us to uh, to play our role and say, okay, we we we'd like to contribute as much as possible to the success of the uh, of the overall company. And personally speaking, to be to be part of such a pioneering project is is something that you that you can only wish for. And uh, therefore it's quite a privilege for, uh, for all of us to be, to be part of that. 
Yeah, I just imagine back when was the last time. I mean, there's only been a few times in not just Porsche's history, but automotive history where landmark things happened. I think um, the development of fuel injection was not even close to this leap, but it's, you know, it was a big move from like carburation and MFI to fuel injection. Other than that, I can't really think of too many times where there was such a landmark shift in um, in the technology, right? Because I mean, this is this is everything. Everything is changing, and I think this is the big question for everyone. And me as an enthusiast is, I think one of the biggest struggles people have is they feel like they're losing something with this with EV rather than gaining something. Um, they're losing their love for, or they they perceive it that way, and. And they're holding on pretty tight to to combustion engines, and I think some people have trouble drawing the line from um, the heritage of the air cooled stuff and the motorsport there to something like the GT4 e performance. Like they they can't draw the line in their mind. Um, I know I had a lot of trouble doing that for a long time. Like I said, being curious about this is a great first step to being able to draw that line from where Porsche was to where they are. How do you how do you guys in this program? bring the heritage of what Porsche has always been into this new uh, EV realm with the GT4e and, and beyond? To be honest, from a, from a mindset point of view, nothing really changed. Because if you look at the, at the history of the, of the brand, if you look at the history also how we, how we operated in motorsport, we always looked at new technologies um, uh, coming along. We always looked at new ideas, basically, to, uh, to take up such as, for instance, if you if you look back only a few years with uh, with a GD3 uh, hybrid that we that we introduced, and we said, okay, with new technologies, new ideas, how can we take this up, and how can we run it successfully? Firstly, in uh, in motor racing to make sure the technology is um is very well running from a performance point of view, but um, how can we also make sure that what we learn on the um on the street, uh, sorry, on the on the race car side. How can we also transfer that into the into the road car at uh, at some point? And therefore, yes, for sure, the way how the how the engines are, are being powered now, it it looks like it's a huge step, um, or it's actually a huge leap from the from the from the combustion engines to um, to the electrically uh, powered vehicles. But in fact, it's just a different technology. But the overall parameters for us to uh, to look at very much have uh, have remained the same. Yeah. So what are one of the things that has always differentiated Porsche in terms of engineering is the engine, right? You've got these flat six engines or a, or a four cylinder engine, you know, back into the 912 era. And it was a very unique thing for Porsche. And is, is there something lost when the, the diversity of the combustion engine goes away? Cause you've got V8s, V6, inline six, V12, flat 12, flat six. You've got all these different ways to do the engineering and, uh, and to chase power, right? You chase power. That's what it was always about, especially in motorsport. You're chasing power, chasing performance. You know, with with EV and a motor, how do we chase power? Because the GT4 has got a thousand horsepower, six hundred horsepower in in uh, actual. I guess it would be qualifying spec would be a thousand horsepower. We in, called it party mode. Yeah, exactly. Party <laughs> mode. Okay, and then like just being out on the track, you've got six hundred or something horsepower. But horsepower is easy now. Like so, like where is the is there a lack of diversity that's going to happen? That's, I mean, I guess I should say that one of the disappointing things for me is the lack of diversity with with engineering. Am I missing something, or do I just not understand how this stuff works? Well, what 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 we did because what we speak about here, what we look at here, um, is customer racing, and um, when um, looking at the big picture where we said okay how can we contribute from from our side into the into the big picture of the shift towards uh, electric um, uh, vehicles we said okay let's let's also have a look at what we can do in in customer racing and um, looking what we've done um, very successfully fortunately over the more than the last uh, 30 years is that we've run one week series with um, with the 911 gd3 cup and therefore we said in order to to set some sort of a vision and some sort of a, or, or that defines some sort of a blueprint, we said, okay, let's take the performance of the GD3 Cup for the duration of a, of a regular sprint race in one of our one-make series, so roughly 25 to 30 minutes. And let's take that performance and let's mirror that with an, uh, with an EV. 
And that was sort of the development goals, uh, the development goal for uh, for our engineers. And yes, for sure. I mean, with with EVs, power sometimes is not that much of the challenge, but the uh, the running time is actually the is actually the big uh, the big aim and the big target to to look for. And what uh, what we have achieved and what um, what also let's say the key technical USP of the GD4 e performance is. Is that together with our um, with our partner Exxon Mobil, we've developed an an, an oil cooled uh, drivetrain. So very much um, instead of having an, an, an air cooled vehicle or a, or a water cooled vehicle, we have um, we have developed a special oil cooling system that prevents any thermal uh, uh, for any thermal derating to to come in. Because as you know, for um, for let's say regular um, uh, EVs, at some point. You face the you face the challenge that um, that the battery, the inverter, or the motors will will start to uh, to become too warm. So therefore, you need to reduce the the power output. Yeah, I would remember achieved... that with my little RC cars. I'd have a I'd have my like my turbo tracks back in the day, right? And it was this little RC car, and it had like a had a tank tread around the wheels, and you'd be driving that thing around for a while, and and the battery would die, and it would get slower. It would, and then you pull the battery out, and you're like. Like you can't even hold the battery. You're like tossing it from hand to hand, trying to plug it in, and all this. I mean, that's that's it, the man. Same I mean, thing when it happens with a blender, when I don't know, you, you're crushing too much ice or making too many margaritas, that at some point <laughs> uh, the the motor just becomes too warm, you know. And um, and that is something that we have um, with this uh, with this oil cooling that we feel will be prevent from you know, from happening in therefore. We can actually run that distance of um, of up to uh, to thirty minutes, depending on, of course, um, whether we are running at the circuit. Like I mean, the European circuits I'm, I'm more familiar with, to be honest. But of course, it does make a difference if you run at at Monaco, for example, where you have more braking zones, and naturally you can also recuperate uh, a more um, more power. Or you're somewhere at at Monza or, or Spa, where just the the parts with uh, with full throttle are, are a bit longer. But this is this is definitely one of the uh, one of the big achievements that we've done um, with uh, uh, with the GD4e performance, and therefore, yes, power maybe it's easier in the first step to be to be built up, but now it's about how do you first of all recuperate power smartly, but also how do you make sure that you can use as much of the power without any limit as um, as anyhow possible. So I think these are these are some some of the challenges that we're facing, and that. In some areas we've mastered, or in, in 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 the major areas we've mastered quite successfully. Yeah, the car is is definitely fast. Um, when I look at like, uh, so you got a twenty five to thirty minute race. Um, there's thirty cars, I think, in like a cup race. There's like, is there is that right? There's thirty cars. Depending on depending on where you are, but I'd say in average somewhere in between twenty two, twenty three, and thirty, thirty two. Yes, sir. Okay, so there's around twenty five to thirty cars or whatever. I'm imagining twenty five or thirty GT four E's at Let's say they do club racing all over the place. They do cup racing all over the place. Let's say we're at Road Atlanta. Okay, so we're we're doing it. We're doing these races, and just like the real world, I feel like the infrastructure to charge up, you know, twenty five GT four E's just isn't there. Is that something that you guys are working on with some of the tracks to to make sure that the infrastructure is going to be able to support events like this? How on? Let's say the headline of what we do at the moment is to develop um, customer racing of the future or electric customer racing of the future. And of course, a major part of it is the development of the of the vehicle and of the uh, the technologies um, within the vehicle. But um, what we say is we are just at the at the starting point now. And when you look at customer racing, I mean it's it's naturally you have the you have the teams and the drivers as our as our um, uh, key customers. But on top of it, there are so many more stakeholders around, uh, or stakeholders involved in the business. Whether it's race promoters, whether it's the whether it's the circuits, whether it's the authorities, but of course also fans and media. And um, as you rightfully say, we're just at the beginning of the development, and the development of the infrastructure is also a major part of it. And therefore, what is happening at the moment with uh, um, with the world tour of the GE4E performance is. On the one hand, yes, we we introduce the technology of the car. We we do our best to immersionalize people as successfully about the, the concept as we fortunately managed to do uh, to do with you. But on top of it, we you also me, very clearly want to uh, want to 
by the way, we always refer to it as a fighter jet, as a Lear jet, but uh, we can still work on that. But Okay, uh, fighter jet, yeah, yeah that's true. But, uh, but uh, on top of it, of course, we also, and that's that's a key part of the, of the program, uh, program, is we want to establish a dialogue with these stakeholders because everybody individually has um, has their uh, has its uh, um, own challenges infrastructure for example for the circuits and for the promoters but for the promoters of course it's also do we continue with the same race formats as we have them today do we need to adjust something in order to to, to also spice it up um, for the audience how is it for fans is it something with with naturally the sound being different um, than, than people are used to with um, with combustion engines that we we need to adjust something in this direction to to say that also the uh, the, the event in itself must be um, must be transformed and these are the discussions that are going on at the moment and we have not reached a conclusion there because as I said we just started um, this yep. program we started the demo tour last year in uh, in June in Goodwood at the, the Festival of Speed in um, in the UK. And since then, we've established this dialogue. And for us, the key thing really is to to listen and to learn and to understand the expectations and to to be fully aware of the challenges. Because naturally, there there, there are quite a few that we're looking at. As yeah, everybody's as a whole work industry, together. not us only as yeah. an as an OEM, but as a as an entire automotive and if you want a motorsport industry. Yeah, because yeah, eventually, I mean, this is this is customer racing. Sure, that's a great way for you guys. I'm imagining that's a great way for you guys to get the budget to do it in the first place. But eventually this is going to, you know, get into, you know, GT racing. You know, this will be something I was going to ask, like, how long is it, do you think, I mean, this is a big hypothetical, how long is it till we're doing the 24 hours of Le Mans? Like, how far away are we from doing something like that? At, at least, at least we know how long the 24 hours of Le Mans will be running itself. <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh no, it's um, as I as I said, there are there are quite a few areas that we um, that we need to look at, and um, charging for sure is um, is one of the topics. On the other hand, also um, quite openly speaking, the handling complexity that we're looking at at the moment is still too um, is still too let's say extensive for a for a regular customer racing team uh, to do because. At the moment, we're still doing operations are like basically as as we would have them with the uh, with the operations of the factory team. So it so it requires at least six people. I mean, the telemetry engineers, performance engineers, and so forth to run the car. And of course, to look at that from a customer racing point of view, the less people you have to to enter a car to to work on the performance set of uh, setup of the car, the more money or how to say the more efficiently you can uh, you can spend the money so that's an area that we need to focus on running costs yeah, i mean the guys just show up at a gt2 rs club sport it's just boom it's there they don't need anybody they just hop in the car and they just exactly. drive it on top of it parts pricing of course is also i mean when it comes to running costs again this is also do we do you look at a prototype as as we do at the moment with the with the two gd4e performance prototypes that are that are that exist um, at the moment in the world or is that similar to the to the GT3 Cup, where basically we build more than five, six, seven hundred cars per uh, per model generation, and and that is one of the one of the key things and one of the key aspects that always needs to be involved. Is there um, a partnering road car where we can share development costs, where we can share parts prices, and where we can keep the overall cost just uh, just um, let's say more economical from a from a customer racing team uh, point of view so this is you also this is also aspects that we are working on and these aspects we also need to tackle besides let's say the the lasting or the or the distance that we that we can cover before we then get to the point to say okay when it really comes to endurance racing no matter what it's 6 12 or 24 hours at some point how can we also get closer to uh, to these matters this is this is what i mean there is an incredible amount of challenges that we're still facing and that we still haven't solved it. And for sure, us ourselves, we won't be the only ones to, uh, or we will not be able to to solve them on our own. And therefore, we do need to involve these partners. We do need to have this open dialogue with all the stakeholders around to make sure 
with also their individual expectations at the at the development we can we can all chip in together and make sure that mutually we we develop solutions for these uh, for these challenges so do you have like a special red phone that when you pick it up you just talk to mercedes and you go hey guys what are you guys doing over there with that that uh, mercedes black amg thing uh, we want to make sure that we can race together later. Do you guys have like buddies at Mercedes and BMW that you guys are working with to make sure that this is, or is it super like, we don't talk to anybody. We're like, what's the, you know, you talk about stakeholders, obviously Mercedes, BMW, you know, Corvette, Chevrolet, all these people are going to want to race. You talk well, to anybody? I mean, who, who we look at is, um, I mentioned before when it come, when it, uh, was about the blueprint for the development of the of the concept. We said, okay, we have a look at what we do in our one make series segment with the, with the Carrera Cups, with the sprint challenges, but also with the uh, with the Super Cup. And there, it being a one make series, obviously we are we are the only involved manufacturer. But already in this segment, I mean, there are so many parties around. As I said, the uh, the circuits, the uh, the race promoters, but also, of course, the the, the authorities and. They are the ones that we uh, that we talk to and that we speak to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure uh, your competitors are looking at this car. I'm I am sure they are going. Okay, that is the you know they look at the mission concept and they're like, okay, that is the competition that we have. This is what Porsche is going to be bringing to the table. I mean, I know it's a I know it's a customer racing vehicle, but I'm I'm sure everybody's eyes are wide open. So well, tell me about the car a little bit. You know, we haven't talked about the car. What's the performance? How much does it weigh? You know, what can we you know, what kind of metrics do we have to learn about this car a little bit? Well, as I said, um, blueprint for development was the 911 GT3 Cup. Um, performance of the of the uh, the Cup car is um, is uh, 500 brake horsepower at uh, roughly 1,300 uh, kilos, and uh, this was also. Um, Let's say let me convert that. that to, let me convert kilos to freedom units for a second here. Thirteen thousand kilos in pounds. That, yeah. I got. I got to look that up. Okay, twenty eight hundred pounds. All right. And uh, the weight of the of the GD four E performance is a little more than fifteen hundred kilos. Okay. Which is how many pounds? Thirty three hundred pounds. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, therefore, in um, in race mode, in order to run for these twenty five to thirty minutes, of course. Uh, we required rough, uh, a little bit more than uh, than 600 brake uh, brake horsepower. So that let's say is the is the fundamental performance. All right, I'm looking up the curb weight of my Golf R because yes, all right. So I assumed my Golf R is is the same was around 3,200 pounds. It's 3,300 pounds. So this EV thing, all the batteries. It obviously doesn't have a motor and transmission, but you guys got other things going on. Weighs the same as my Golf R. I mean that's pretty impressive. I mean, I, what does a Model Three performance weigh? Tesla. Obviously, we would have loved to be to be underneath uh, fifteen hundred kilos. This is this is for sure because we're all, or the colleagues are all performance engineers, and of course, the uh, the lighter something can be, the better. But again, if you put that into comparison with the with the weight of regular EVs, I mean, that's, that's yeah, a, a Model Three performance weighs four thousand pounds. Four thousand pounds. You're you're, you know, seven eight hundred pounds less than like a Model Three performance streetcar. And well, I mean that's what, and I mean that impressive. is that is the power output um, with these uh, 610, 615 brake horsepower. That's the power output that we can run depending on how much we can recuperate for these twenty-five to to thirty minutes. But then the beauty is, if we if we reduce the uh, the driving time, we can very much increase the uh, the power output, and then we get to what we what we quickly touched before that that qualifying mode or what we internally call yeah. the party mode, and then we can have up to 1100 brake horsepower and then we're definitely not talking about the learjet anymore then it's definitely <laughs> in the in the fighter jet region yeah yeah yeah, yeah absolutely this is also I mean, that's I mean, time speaking... attack mode really right wow. i mean that's just that's just head out and do a time attack and flat out see what lap time we can set we are the um let's say the very motivating outcome that we um, achieved in, in Goodwood at the Festival of Speed was that we were uh, up to today, um, we are still the fastest Porsche ever to uh, participate there at, um, at the hill climb. And um, it's coming back a little bit to the sound. I mean, what we've also experienced is what is quite important when it comes to the to the sense of sound of a, of a race car. Um, also, it's 
you do need to have some sort of a feedback whether a car is accelerating, whether a car is decelerating, whether a car is at full speed, whether a car is at um, at high speed. And as we managed to do to do this with the GE4e performance, we've received quite a lot of positive feedback on the sound, which, frankly oh, speaking, yeah, was man. one of the was one of the um, one of the the aspects that we were most cautious of because of we all come from a uh, from a combustion engine history, and we all know what creates goosebumps on on our arms. Yeah. So of course, and it's a um, it's a major factor. So therefore, we were that relieved to see that it's um, that it's working. And interestingly, it's not only working in um, in uh, North America or um, also in Europe. It's in, it's equally working well also in Asia because this is why we take these these two prototypes around the world to also. Not only, I mean, we we spoke about different stakeholders in the business, but also geographically, to get to get the input that we uh, we require from our from our clients and our partners in the US as well as Europe as well as, as Asia. Unfortunately, um, again, when it comes to the sound, it's it's working successfully. Yeah, and I thought globally. the sound was like I said earlier. I thought the sound was speakers, and I, I'm sorry I didn't bring it up again sooner, but it's not. It's not speakers. I I thought it was like a five thousand watt audio system. I'm like, wow, that because you think about. When I'm standing in a parking lot and some like Camry, electric Camry or something backs out, it's going, and it's making noise as it backs out because legally it has to. So I thought this was just really amplified electric noise because like Hans Zimmer was like making, making sounds for different manufacturers for their EV sounds. So my inclination was that it wasn't real, but it's, it's real. What is the sound that I'm hearing? It's the um, it's a straight cut uh, transmission. So very much you hear the you hear the gears or the gear. In fact, it's a, it's a single gear. So was that's, that something that's, that's that you guys you, you would also hear it on uh, on regular or let's say race cars with a um, uh, with a regular combustion engine. But there it's just um, the engine noise that very much overlaps it. So yeah, when you're in a when you watch in car video of like a GoPro, I mean even like a E36 M3 Touring. Or, or Evo race car or something has straight cut gears and you're in the cabin with a GoPro, all you hear is the gearbox. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes the, you know, the cool whining sounds. Did you guys tune that sound at all? Was that something you're like, hey, this is the only sound this thing is going to make. We better make it sound pretty cool. Did you guys try or was just just the outcome of the engineering? That's the outcome of the engineering because we, we, we focused on achieving, let's say, the... Uh, the aims that we had when it when it came to mirroring the the GT3 Cup and the sound wasn't let's say it was not our focus to create something artificially where you where we tried really hard to to create some emotions that are not based on performance or not let's say engineering performance technological performance or or in general just the layout of the car let's let's put it like this. So, what? T- one last question for you. To Oliver, to you personally, what makes a car cool? And does the GT4e fill that spot for you when you think of a cool car? That's a, that's a good question. Um, it's, to be honest, it's that goosebump effect. Because that's still me. I mean, I, I had the discussion with, um, with quite a few um, uh, friends and colleagues um, at, uh, at Rennsport. Where it's basically, I felt like a kid in a candy store because it was my first time at La Gruna Seca, and, I, and I went in there, and it was honestly like a, like a dream come true. And this is why I say, for me, a cool car is a car that also me as a kid or the the twelve year old that is still that is still in me also say that's just awesome, you know. So that's that's the kind of emotion. And um, with the GD4e performance, I get that from the from the performance and that effect the car has um, when it just blast by on the um, on the straight for example and the sheer performance that this uh, that this car creates and um, that I think describes back uh, best what uh, the emotions that I have around the car but also in general around uh, around well I, I want to thank you for working on this project and uh, giving giving me hope and giving a lot of people hope that it's you no know, I think there's a lot of, of us I mean yeah I know there's a lot of negativity around EV right and whether it's whether it's political or emotional or motorsport or whatever, there's all kinds of different viewpoints, and everybody's on this side or the other side. It's very, it seems very black and white, and it seems very tribal. And I think that stuff like this can can bring people together because the car is cool. 
you know, I, I was, you know, been doing this podcast for a very long time. And five years ago when we started, I was very anti-EV. I didn't get it. I didn't care. You couldn't, you couldn't strap me into a seat and watch a Formula E race. You couldn't do it. You couldn't, you couldn't pry my eyes open and get me to watch one. And uh, right, I think I'm orange. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You couldn't get me to watch one. I just wasn't interested. And um, I think things are, there's a part of me that goes, okay, well, this is what it's going to be. So you better just, you better get on the boat and, and learn about this stuff or you're going to get left behind one. And number two, there's, there's people like you and your, and, and your, uh, your department and, you know, customer racing and stuff like that with this car that are really pushing for making it cool. You're still trying to do cool things. It's not like EV came around and everybody at Porsche went, well, guess that's the way it is now. See you later. And everybody walked out the door. You guys are still trying to do cool stuff. And I, and I commend you for that. And I commend you for building this car. It's, it's truly awesome. To be honest, I think it, it all depends on, let's say the, the, the size of the frame when, when you look at the development and if you, if you, if you look at this technology and this development with the, with the frame of two, three, four years, then yes, it's a, it's a huge shift. But I think if you open up this frame and if you, if you say, okay, um, what technological leaps did we have in the last 50 60 70 years and if you if you look ahead for 20 30 years and look back at where we are now i think first of all the technology will be totally accepted it will create um the same or, or very similar emotions around the cars and um again a very motivating factor for us is we can shape the future now we have the, the yeah. shape of the future in our own hands and we can play our parts as i said all these stakeholders around customer racing we can play our part to make sure that we still enjoy sorry the hell out of it also in the future and that is and therefore it's honestly it's one of the coolest project if not the coolest project to be to be part of at the moment yeah with great power becomes uh or comes great responsibility right i mean you guys you guys have a huge weight on your shoulders to make this work and seems like you're doing to be great. honest, it doesn't feel like a weight. I mean, as I said, it's it's that to be to be in this pioneering role is something that you can that you can only wish for, and therefore for us, it doesn't feel like a weight. It's it's a gigantic motivation. Oliver, thank you for hanging out with me today. Yes, I look forward to seeing much. you and your you know your beautiful hair down the road. Thanks a lot. Yeah, take care. Thank you. All right, Jake. Ready for the weight? I'm you ready for the weight. this episode yet, so I can just no, tell I you. haven't. It's 3,300 pounds. Wow, that's you know what also yeah. weighs 3,300 pounds. What? My golf. Really? Just to give you just to give you a comparison, my golf weighs 3,300 pounds. See, that's really good. That's very impressive. I'm curious impressive. what the the like actual range is, but that's that's amazing that they're able to do well, that. The range is, is the thing is, I mean, you could tune the power. It's You're like, right. Power up, it's like a knob, you know, more range, <laughs> less range, more power, less power. Yeah, yeah. More range, less power. You know, it's interesting that it's like you can just turn it on. Okay, we're going to do a time attack qualifying, or as they call okay. it, party mode, which I don't know. Is that what they call it? Party it, mode? It is, but like, I, all I can think of is the party box that is the thing that you can put on a Tesla to be able to mess with the voltage and everything like that. Oh, I don't know okay. if I'm a big fan I'm of, not of the party mode that, thing, but. Okay. Um, regardless, so that's like regardless. just all the power. Who cares about yeah, efficiency? Just, just everything, just all yep. of it. That would, like okay. time attack mode, I think is, yep. is how that. Which I'm kind of like it. into the time attack thing after following what Mike has been doing with his Ferrari. Yeah, and it's like watching cool. the live event with the with the time attack in Australia was pretty cool. Yeah, just the idea of like we're just going as fast as you can. It's not wheel to wheel. Just make a car as crazy as possible and as fast as possible. That's a really yep. cool concept. Yeah, you versus yourself in the machine. Is basically yep. what it what it comes down to. All right, guys, what have we what have we got going on for next week, Jake? What's what's up? You've got a. I'm not sure. We've got two episodes that are coming out. I don't know which one I'm going to release, but um, okay. Let's do. Uh, let's do this one. This um, one's coming out uh, in a couple of days. We're talking about means next one, week. So you can't say yeah that this is coming yeah, out later. So next week we have uh, <laughs> we have Ryan who wrote the the cult of GTR. He's going to be coming on to talk about his book. Yes, so I'm excited. Uh, we about really that. look forward to that. And the weekend after that, I think is you. Jake, that's history. That's you, yeah. Do you I know have what you're all doing? sorts of stuff lined up. I don't okay. know which one I'm going to go with. No, that's okay. Do you know what you should have done, Jake? Tell me. What you should could have I have watched done? me interview Oliver live? 
Did you know that? Mm-hmm. I'm sure you were a driver's club member. How would I have member? done that? Oh, really? By being a driver's club member, you can be in this super exclusive top secret uh, I black don't think it's box very secret. only. No. Nope. Well, the no, no. But That's we do have a secret, secret member only everyone. Discord channel where I Again, post not, the links. Not secret, but yes, members only. It's well, it was a secret. Now it's not. I don't think it's ever been a secret. It's a secret. A when it's not a club. secret anymore. What's the name of something? When it's not a it's like if something is a secret, just you have a secret yeah. and then you tell someone it's not a secret anymore. What does it become? Knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That there's no word. What's the word for that? What's the opposite I, of a secret? I, 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 I don't know. That's I, that's dumb, Chris. I don't know. Regardless, look it up. Hold yeah. on. Opposite of a secret is uh, what is the word for not secret? Conspicuous, detectable. Anyways, the Overcrest Drivers Club. For as little as $5 a month, you too can become a member supporting the show. You get access to exclusive content. We have an entire back catalog of Drivers Club only, member only content, as well as that Discord section of the, the yeah, section of the Discord. Yeah, section. I don't sir, know what's the sir, right word section, for that. channel. Channel, channel, sure. got its own yeah. channel where we where we yeah, talk which about. Which is very cool. VIP. Well, honestly, only. all we do is talk shit about non drivers club members. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. specifically, we make fun yeah. of you all for being yep. cheapskates. Which is why supporting yeah. the show. Yeah, we should we should actually start that. Be like, I'm the drivers club. Hey, let's make fun of everyone else that's not a drivers club member. Just start that as a thread. I'm gonna do it. Perfect. All right, guys, all right, that's how, what it. Link? Wait, Chris, how do we find it? Where do we go to find it? I heard your link club? doesn't work. The one that I said last week doesn't redirect. It does so I'm going to give the I correct link this time. No, give any link you want. Any link you want. Overcrestproductions.com forward slash drivers club. That'll work. That is the correct link. That'll work. All right, guys, we will see you next week. Take care. <laughs>